I'm a list person, right? I like making a list of things. So what are my top requirements? For any kind of technology, I also recommend to everybody, what does their support look like? What does their training look like? Because that's going to tell you a lot about the company. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to RateMyAgent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 308 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I go back to my old stomping grounds in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, the East Valley, and we're going to be talking to Eleni Summershield. She is the COO of Wise Agent. Wise Agent is a CRM that I've been familiar with, oh, I don't know, since 2006 or seven. I've known about them for a long time. Uh, wonderful tool. And we've interviewed Brandon, the CEO, uh, quite a while ago. And I, I really needed to get Eleni on the show. So let's get this thing started. Eleni, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Oh, I should have had you on here a long time ago. Uh, we've had, we had Brandon Wise on here three or four years ago. It was a long time ago. Uh, Brandon is CEO and co-founder. Is that the best way to put it? Yep. Of of Wise Agent. You're the chief operating officer of Wise Agent. Uh, I'm a big fan of Wise Agent, especially the value you get. And we're going to talk a lot about that. So very cool. When I lived in Phoenix, I could say we were kind of neighbors, uh, kind of. We were both in the East Valley, yeah. kind of. East okay, Valley. good, good. <laughs> I was down at the Valley floor in Gilbert and you were up in this super cool, sometimes crazy place called Fountain Hills. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cute little town. Yeah. You can't find it unless you like run into it on accident. Right. It's it's not it's not on the way to anywhere other than a casino, maybe or a golf course, maybe. Exactly. If you come from Scottsdale, yeah. Yeah. If, if you know, if you're a big golf like avid golfer, yeah. then you do know Fountain Hills because we do have some good golf courses here. So, just to give the listeners a, some a little taste of Fountain Hills, talk about some of the cool things there. It's got one really famous thing, but it's if you're thinking and looking at a map of where Scottsdale is, and Scottsdale is this long, skinny city, kind of, kind of towards the top of it. If you just go east, I don't know, twelve, fifteen miles, you're going to run right into uh, uh, Fountain Hills, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're in the um, Northeast Valley. It's uh, about an hour from Payson, which is where you would find snow. Mm-hmm. About an hour and a half from Flagstaff, where like um, uh, NAU is, so we could be in snow if we feel like it. But I'm coming from Chicago; I don't feel like ever being in snow. So we live here in Fountain Hills, which you know can have it's a little bit higher of elevation, so you can get a little bit cooler temperatures in the winter and in the summer. Unfortunately, in the summer, only by like one degree. Is it cooler? So everywhere else, like 112 and here it's maybe 111. Yeah. And you've got this famous fountain up there. Yes. I, I don't know if it's the world's largest or if it, they it still claim. It used claim. to be. It used okay. to be. I think right now it's the second, um, maybe even third now. I haven't looked that up in a few years, but it was at one, when it was built in the seventies, it was the largest fountain. It was, it's engineered by a group out of Germany and they came here and built it. And so there's the cool thing about the fountain is that it goes off every top of the hour for 15 minutes. 
And now they just added this last year in 2021, they added lights to it. There was always, it was always lit, but now there's like different color lights. A couple of times a year, they change the color of the fountain. So St. Patrick's Day, they change it to green. Veterans Day, they changed it to red. And now they have the colored lights. So at Christmas time, it's red and green. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I've seen it flying into Phoenix. If you fly, if you time it just right, mm-hmm. coming in, you know, from the north, you can see that fountain from the yeah. plane. It's it's yeah. very cool. It so great. if you ever do truck over to the Phoenix area, it's worth a trip to go to Fountain Hills. Yeah. Cool little shops and one really difficult golf course. I can't remember the name of. That's it. like uh, through canyons and dog legs and stuff. But that's all right. Don't no, we'll worry about that later. You said Chicago. I love that. You grew up in Chicago, right? Right yeah. in the city. I did. I grew up right outside of the city in a small little suburb, smaller than Fountain Hills, called Lincolnwood, and but which was like literally a stone's throw from the city. Chicago is a great city. It's I'm Greek too, so it's a high population of Greeks there, and so it was somewhere where my parents chose that city for its its Greekness, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And talk about having a real. I mean, a real urban area, a city that you could, I'm sure as you got older, you were taking the L or the train, you know, in there to kind of hang out in the city. That had to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, it was great. I mean, and Chicago has changed over the years. So when I grew up, when I was growing up there, it was completely different than what it is now. Um, But it's still a great city, great restaurants, a ton of things to do. Times are different too, though. It wasn't the big hustle and bustle. I mean, it was still a busy city, but not as busy as it is now where um, or even the, the past couple of years where crossing, you know, Michigan Avenue, you were, when I was growing up, you'd cross the street and there's like 15, 20 people. Probably three years ago, you were crossing the street with like 150 people, almost like New right. York. Right. So yeah. like Manhattan. Getting there is an interesting story too. We, we've, I've actually, we've chatted about this and it's just a great story, but let's, let's share with the, the listeners how your parents, I think how they met is really cool. And then how they ended up in Chicago. That'd be great. Yeah. So being Greek, my, you know, I grew up in a very strict Greek household. Think of my big fat Greek wedding. And that was kind of my life. My parents met um, through my my mom's sister and her husband um, knew my dad. And my mom was living, they were living in Chicago, all three of them. They lived in Chicago. My mom lived in this tiny little village, a remote village in Greece. And my dad said to my uncle, his future brother-in-law, like, hey, I'd like to marry, a, you know, I'd like to find a woman like your, like your wife, you know, does she have a sister? And he said, yeah, she, she has a sister. And you know what? She's, she doesn't have anyone here. It'd be great for her to have her sister here. I think you guys would be perfect together. So they called my mom, my grandfather, and said, we have a husband for you. Come here. My mom came in April. I think it was April 30th. Uh, She came to Chicago, and this is 1974. Met my dad. A week later, they were engaged. Uh, (laughs) A week later, they were engaged. A month later, they got married legally because my mom had a green card. My dad didn't. So they got married legally in the courthouse two years to the date on my birthday, two years before I was born, which was crazy. And I didn't find that out until I was 18, um, <laughs> that they had to get married legally. Uh, they never celebrated that anniversary. And then yeah. they ended up getting married in July. Did your dad originally kind of route through Canada before he got to... Yeah. So yeah. He, he went from Greece to Canada. He was in Quebec in that area. Mm-hmm. 
and him and one of his buddies um, that he'd known pretty much his whole life got on a bus to come to Chicago to see their friends. And they came just with like the clothes on their back, nothing else. And they didn't get checked at, um, at the border. So they came in illegally by accident like yeah. on the border patrol side accident. And then, so they were like, shoot, we're not going back. Cause then we don't know if we could ever come back to Chicago and life is good here. So, and they had a lot of friends in Chicago. So they ended up staying. If you ever sit down to Lenny, just start asking her about her family. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> My yeah. big fat Greek wedding. I think it's perfect. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I like to ask this question a lot, you know, but you're 15 years old, you're in high school. What do you think you're going to be doing? I'm sure it's quite different. Yeah. Well, so I grew up in a really strict Greek household. So my, I have an older brother and a younger sister. I'm the middle child. My responsibilities were like the older one of the three of us, because I had to make sure that if, you know, my mom needed help, I needed to be there to cook and clean and iron. And um, I was groomed to be the good Greek girl and the, the good Greek wife. And so, um, so I did a lot of that stuff and I, I still like doing a lot of that stuff. I still cook a lot and entertain a lot. Um, and I think it was because of that. But then my dad owned a business. My dad owned a liquor store in the south side of Chicago in Bridgeport. He opened that store when I was three or four years old. I think four years old. He opened it in 1980. So everyone knows how old I am now. There you go. Um, but I'm proud of my age. So it's okay. It was a family business. He needed help. And he would call on my mom to come help him, my brother, and myself. And so he would keep my brother at the store until he 11 p.m. My brother is like five years old, and he had to run the beer back and forth, you know, from the cooler to and help my dad and stock things. And he was the original stock boy. And so I grew up and I learned to work there. And so at 15, I was my dad passed away three years ago. I would, but my siblings know this, so it's okay. I was my dad's favorite. I was daddy's girl. <laughs> and he was at 15, he was grooming me to take over the family business. I loved the liquor store. I loved learning from my dad. I loved watching him like negotiate the orders. Like I said, it was in the south side of Chicago. So and it was the liquor store. We did, we did pretty good. And so I learned how to negotiate from him. Um, he did not take anyone's crap. He did not take anyone's BS. So I have a really good, you know, gauge of who's BSing me Nice from him. And so at 15 years old, I was, I was his bookkeeper. And because being Greek, you know, they like keeping things in the family as much as things can be kept in the family. I was going to be the, the Greek wife that was cooking and cleaning and taking care of the business and doing what I needed to do wow. and well, kind of taking a cue from my parents. Yeah, that, that changes a little bit, um, like things do. You live kind of more north of the city, but you the, the store was south of the city. Yes. So was it White Sox or Cubs? So we were like two minutes away from Comiskey Park. And I know it's not called that anymore, but yeah. I'll forever know it as Comiskey Park. But we lived on the north side. Everyone in my family is north siders, north side fans of the Cubs. But I had to be loyal to Bridgeport and to our family business. So I was always a Sox fan. And I, I loved... I loved Ozzie Guillen. I still do. I think he's hilarious. I think he's awesome. I, I thought he was yeah. a great player and um, he was fun to watch even as a coach. He's a hothead, but. And you got a world series way before the Cubs did. So it was yes, all good. Did. <laughs> did. So, but I was one of the fair weather fans. So I would root okay. for the Cubs too. Um, <laughs> so right. I, I would right. go. So I did both. 
So you end up going to, to, to DePaul, which is like yeah. a really cool school, right? Right downtown. I mean, dead yeah. center of downtown. And you get a degree in computer science. Yeah. Where'd that come from? When I was four, my dad had a dream of having his son. You know, he wanted my brother to be in electronics and do computers. And, you know, it was the early 80s. And that was like the hot thing back then. So my dad brought home an IBM PC Junior, which was the first personal computer for home use. And my brother took one look at it and had zero interest. And uh, you had to learn DOS how to use it. It didn't have an operating system. So you had to learn DOS commands. I struggled throughout school in reading because my parents, my dad worked late hours. My mom was at home with us and did not know the language. She still, to this day, is very limited in her language abilities. So in English. So I struggled with reading. So for me, reading like the DOS commands, because they were just one word things that all I had to, you know, I had to learn, know how to read very little with that. So I learned DOS and I learned how to use the computer that my dad brought home to us. And, you know, when I was like six, seven years old. So then fast forward when I was in college, you know, my parents, their dream was, you know, their daughter is going to get married. Didn't really need to go to college. That was you know, my dad's dream, at least for me not to finish school. My mom wanted me to go to school. She's like, I, she didn't have more than a sixth grade education. She was like, I want you to finish school and and get a degree. So they were like, become a teacher because they go to school, you know, they have school hours and then they're off for the summer and yada, yada. And I really didn't like kids. So I'm like, that's (laughs) a terrible idea for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was always really good with electronics and and just things of that nature. So um, anything that would break around the house, I knew how to fix it just inherently. I just knew how to do things like that. And so I wanted to drop out of college and my mom refused to let me do that. Um, Mm. I wanted to go to culinary school because I'd learned how to cook and do whatever. And that was a big passion of mine. They said no. And so I listened and I said, fine, I'll stay in school, but I don't know what I want to do. And my mom said, why don't you get a degree in computer science? You love, you like computers. You're good at that. And I said, I don't know. Isn't that, isn't that for boys? I mean, that's not for me. And I don't know. And she encouraged me and, and gave me the courage to, to apply for the school of, of computer science at DePaul. And they accepted me. And so then I, I went to and got my degree. Yeah. What was the first, first job? I, was, I always love the, the story of the first job. Yeah. Well, besides the liquor store, okay, um, yeah. yeah, besides the liquor store, which I know is a, a huge jump from technology. Um, after that, I worked at a company. They did more networking and whatnot. And so that's where I met my husband. And uh-huh. so I worked in the tech support department there and, and did a lot of networking support and te- telephony and technology support. Were you still in Chicago at the time? Yes. So yes, let's get you and the husband to, to uh, Fountain Hills. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, just like every major life decision, you need to flip a coin and <laughs> decide where you're going to live and where you're going to settle down in life. So that's what my husband and I did. We decided on a freezing, bitter cold day in Chicago um, that we would be, you know, we both wanted to leave the city because it was just, the weather was just horribly cold there. I wanted to move to Florida because that's where a lot of Greek people lived. And I felt like that would be part of my community. His parents had been snowbirds in Arizona, in Fountain Hills. 
And so he tells me, you know, let's go to Arizona. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm like, who's going to Arizona? I mean, how hot is it there? It's like you're living in the sun. I don't know about this. Um, so we flipped the coin. I think he duped me in saying like, you know, heads you win, tails, or, you know, heads I win, tails you lose. I think he did that. Anyway, so we end up here in Fountain Hills for a weekend, a long weekend, and we both fell in love with it. We came in July, so it was blistering hot, but we were out here for a long weekend and we ended up buying a place. Like, we were just like, let's buy something. And we bought it in Fountain Hills. That's great. Yeah. At this point, you still haven't met the guys at Wise Agent. I mean, they've they've been around since... Uh, early 2000s, 2002. Yeah. 2002. Yeah. And I'll, I'll plug here the first cloud based uh, CRM in the real estate space. Am I right? Yes. Yes, you are. <clears throat> Thank you. And <laughs> so, how do you how do you come across and where's what's that what's that thing that happens where you end up for now well over a decade with Brandon and Mike? Yeah. So, well, Fountain Hills is a small town. Sure. Um, the population here is like twenty five thousand people. So it's a really small town. And, you know, even though I grew up in Lincolnwood, which has a population of 13,000 people, right? So I knew small town, but I was so close to the city. I was a city girl, you know, I mean, I just slept in the suburbs, really. And so living in Fountain Hills, though, it's such a small town. And we're so secluded and isolated from the rest of the valley that everybody here knows everybody. If you try to go out to the store or go anywhere, like, oh, I'm going to go out without makeup or, you know, hopefully don't run into anyone, you're for sure going to run into somebody because it's that small. And so my my kids are the same ages as Brandon and Mike's kids. And so, you know, through mutual friends and through the kids, um, that's how I met Brandon and Mike. All right. First of all, you know, you, you know technology. Mm-hmm. You're not afraid of... Um, coding, you're not afraid of, you know, hardware, all that kind of stuff. How do they find out about that? And how do they slot you into that? Yeah. So I, I told Brandon and Mike, it was my youngest was three years old. And I told Brandon and Mike, I said, listen, this is what I want. I'm kind of, you know, I'm one of those people that I just know what I want. And that's not how I was earlier in my life. Even if you hear what I said five minutes ago, I right. very much did whatever my parents told me to do, but I quickly grew out of that in my early twenties. And I said, this is what I want. I have a family. My family needs to come first. I'll work 12 hours a week is what I had told them <laughs> that I would do. And so I said, I need to be home with my family. I need to raise my kids. And, and now here we are 10 years later. And I think now I work 12 hours a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> Imagine how that works. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> so but- it kind of went from me running, you know, the dev team, the development team and mm-hmm. managing them. Just the appropriate projects are being done at the appropriate times. I just got a lot of things more organized and mm-hmm. streamlined. Joining Wise Agent was, this was your first kind of experience with the real estate industry. Well, as far as work is concerned, yeah. But my yeah. dad was, I, I guess I, I didn't mention, my dad also, he, he ran, he owned the liquor store, but he also did um, commercial and residential real estate investments. So oh, okay. I helped in that. I was the one actually that got my dad in residential real estate. So nice. he was always in commercial side of things that he had some storefronts besides his own liquor store. He had other store and buildings and um, they wanted to buy My dad wanted to buy another building. And I said, how many people are, I was, 17, 17 years old at the time, I said, how many more offices are going to be being built and started? How many more businesses are opening up? Everyone needs a home to live in. Why don't we buy a house or a townhouse and rent that out? And so that's how he started doing 
residential um, real estate investment. Nice, nice. So, but but this this is a little different because you're you, you're working closely with mm-hmm. realtors, you know, and some some are going to be very tech savvy, some are not so savvy, right? Some still use a Franklin Covey planner. So <laughs> talk, talk about that, that introduction, how that went. What I was kind of shocked in was there wasn't much technology that real estate agents were using. You know, so when I started 10 years ago here, it was just a different environment. It was a different scene in the real estate industry. So I was a little shocked by that. I was shocked. I was very much shocked because a lot of the realtors I knew were all females. So I thought, well, this is a very women driven industry. And I was really shocked to find out that the higher you got in the real estate industry, the less there was of a women's presence. Right. I was also shocked that it's a, I mean, it's a big industry. There's a lot of realtors in the around the country, but a lot of them know, like there's a, there's a subset of that group that just knows each other really, really well from across the country. And that was one of the things that I found was really unique and different. And really what I loved about that, that even though you're an agent in California, your best friend is also an agent and they live um, maybe in Florida or somewhere else in the country. Right. Yeah. You, you've, I know you've tapped into some of those networks and they're, 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 they're unbelievably important, uh, especially from a, from a tech vendor point of view, as as I say that myself. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So let's, I've talked about CRM a lot. And it's weird. We, I just call it CRM. It's not CRMs or it's just CRM. And everybody must in some way keep track of their customers. They, yeah. they, they have to. They know that. Um, I believe there's still a small little portion of them that think just I'll just remember everything. I'll be fine. Well, now they're getting older and that memory's going away. Right. But then there's there's the paper people I sort of made fun of. But paper absolutely works if you're consistent with paper. And then their spreadsheets came along and there are people still today who work off of an Excel spreadsheet and do a decent job, right? Of yeah. keeping yeah. track of what's going on. So CRM comes along. I, I'd like to hear what the biggest obstacles are for agents to adopt or to really, you know, understand it and make it work. Is the first one really that thing like, oh my gosh, I don't know where all my stuff is. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's a big one. That okay. is a, that is probably the number one thing. Uh, probably even bigger would be, okay, I have all these people on my phone. And they'll go to their phone and they'll see, I've got 4,000 contacts in my phone. How do I get them in my my database? How do I get them in Wise Agent or in my, a spreadsheet or somewhere? And it's like, well, you have to understand how, how phones work. That is kind of an important concept to understand. Um, it can be complicated. It depends what kind of phone you have. If you have a Google Android, like if you have an Android phone, it's a lot easier because they force you to use Google contacts. So the majority of the time, they're going to go there. If you have an iPhone, ugh, it can be trickier. Got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to do there. So yeah. you have to understand the hardware of it and the software side of it, and really under to really understand where your things are, where contacts are coming from. Because, and I was just having this conversation the other day with somebody because you can have your contacts syncing to your phone from LinkedIn and from Google, and let's say from just like a phone number that you added. So let's say I met Robert on LinkedIn and he goes by Robert Jones on LinkedIn, but on, you know, Facebook, he's Bob and I met him at a party and he was Bobby. So now I've got three different contacts all for the same guy, but because I'm syncing my Facebook and my 
my LinkedIn contacts, as well as my Google contacts on my phone, they all have three different names. They're going to be three different records. Yeah. So that that's where the complication comes from. So you have to understand that. And then once you do, then it's really easy to get them over. It really is easy. You just have to know. And that does take that one-on-one conversation with somebody. Right. If you don't have that one-on-one conversation with that expert to really help you understand and help you figure it out, it can be a challenge and you can be beating your head against the wall. Yeah, there's lots of dead accounts that maybe people don't, don't even realize they're still paying for right. <laughs> because they just bailed on it, didn't get yeah. the right help. And yeah, it's, it's, it is such a important thing to get done, um, but, you're, but it does, it's not the simplest thing. Uh, I think that's important. We all know how important it is you know, to have your contacts organized and just, I mean, just the relief of having them organized would be a a wonderful benefit, but let's go deeper than that. What are some of the the key things you see agents, you know, you know, using the CRM for using this customer relationship management tool? What's, what's, what is most relevant? Well, that R and CRM is probably the the most important part, right? That R and CRM, which is the relationship that's what you're doing business for. I mean, your business is about relationships and getting to know them. I mean, and that goes for me as well as for you, right, Bill? I mean, mm-hmm. we're not realtors, right? We don't sell properties, we sell software. And right. so it's the same thing. You have to build that relationship and that rapport with somebody. And as you're doing that, you're talking to, you know, a lot of people. And if your database is fairly, you know, if it's a healthy database, it could be more than 2,500 contacts. We find that the average is around 2,500, right? Contacts per agent. And so when you're getting up to that amount of people, then you there's no possible way you could remember all the details on any, on any one of those people. You right. just can't. There's no way. For me, it's really important to, when I'm having a conversation with somebody, I have to know, where did, where did we meet? How did we meet? Were we introduced? What's what are some of their interests and their hobbies? And I know it has nothing to do with real estate, but that it has everything to do with the relationship. How do I get to talk to them and how do I build a relationship with them? It's really important to to know that information and recall it. Um, And then at those critical moments in their life, right, when they're celebrating a birthday or a work anniversary or anything else, right, on our side, or a home anniversary from the realtor side to the consumer side, mm-hmm. they're celebrating home anniversary. Even if you didn't sell them that house, you could say congratulations living in this house for 20 years. You know, if you're looking to sell, I mean, you could, you could take it to that next step if you want. Um, if that's where your relationship is at, because they know you and they trust you and they like you and, and all that other stuff. But if not, it's just okay to say, Hey, congratulations on living in this house for 20 years. Yeah. I know, you know, Sean Carpenter, I mean, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he's, he speaks your language. You too, you know, you just <laughs> hit it off perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's great. I think of all the technologies that exist in the real estate space, the one that has the most entries, <laughs> the one that has the most people vying for the attention of the realtor is CRM. Yeah. Yeah. All the different tools that are out there. So they range from virtually free. I don't know. HubSpot's not really specifically for real estate, but you could go free if you wanted to, I guess, up to literally thousands of dollars a year. So how does it, for an agent that's kind of, maybe they're newer in the business and they're trying to think, you know, how, how is this going to work for me? 
how do you, how do they find the right fit? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me personally, I'm a list person, right? I like making a list of things. So what are my top requirements for any kind of technology? I also recommend to everybody, what does their support look like? What does their training look like? Because that's going to tell you a lot about the company. Um, If the support and the training are there, then you really, because you need to be able to lean on somebody when you're learning something new. Just even thinking about it from, you know, perspective of learning a new programming language or learning anything new on the technology side. When you're, when I'm learning something new, some kind of new technology, I need to know, am I, is this partner of mine going to have that support where I could call and say, Hey, so explain this a little further to me. Let's dive deep in this. So the training and the support are huge. The other thing is, what are the features that you're mostly going to be using, right? So especially what marketing features are you looking for? Email marketing is huge. I mean, that is, that works. It's consistent. It's something that you can set up and have a drip campaign. Of course, don't put people on a drip campaign, especially if that message isn't relevant to them. So, you know, be mindful of that. But be having a system where you could organize everybody in a way where you could segment them and say, these are all the people that I know from, you know, this gardening club or this whatever club or this, you know, school thing or church thing or whatever it is for you, uh, where you can organize it in a way where you can speak to that group in one tone, in one way, and they will all, it will resonate with all of them. Yeah. And if you are able to do that, and that's that's your number one premise of a CRM is to be able to group them in a way where you could speak to them all like that. And then once you have them in groups, then you can do all your email marketing campaigns, your texting and your video texting um, and doing everything else with them. But you really do need that is at, at the very top part of a CRM is being able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. And so that's what they're looking for. Right. And yeah. and. Pricing for that sort of a solution is um, really affordable. It is. It is. Yeah. It's really affordable. And the ones that are, you know, because I, I get this question a lot, like, well, I have my contacts all in Google. So can I just use them in Google and use Google as my CRM? Like, well, how many, if you have like 40 contacts, sure. Yeah. But I'm sure you don't have 40 and you have 400 or 4,000. Yeah. So then it, you can't scale that. It's not scalable. And so you need to get it in a place where, especially if you want it to scale, if, let's say you do have 40. If you yeah. want it to scale, you can't rely only on solely on Google because Google won't let you BCC more than a couple of, I think it's like a hundred people or something. Right. So you can't, and you, you, can't, you should never send a bulk message to everyone having people CC'd on it, right? Don't do that. <laughs> so, um, or a giant group text message. Don't, right. don't put people in group text messages either. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's things that there's fundamental things that they should do to, that your CRM should do to help you get your message out there to the appropriate people, but also that they'll be there to help support you and help guide you, you know, train you in best practices. Yeah. Without giving anything away critical, I don't want to get in trouble with Mike or Brandon <laughs> or you, yeah. but is there anything exciting on the horizon that you're, you're working on or, you know, cause there's innovation is an important part of what, what you do. It is. I mean, that's a big reason why I travel as much as I do. So it's, I, I go out because 
typically a COO doesn't travel as much as I do to be at these conferences, to be at, um, you know, expos at state expos and whatnot. I go because I love talking to the brokers, the agents and hearing what are their pain points. So then we can come, I can come back here, talk to my dev team and figure out a solution. And so that's what we do. And one of the things is we have a huge marketing suite within Wise Agent um, where you could do the email sending, the text sending, the videos, all of that stuff. And so one of the things that we're going to be releasing in the next, uh, what date are we at? In the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to be releasing the ability to create digital ads directly from Wise Agent that will be um, once you get the lead coming um, from either Google or Facebook, the lead will come automatically into your Wise Agent account where you oh. can set them up and respond to them automatically, use the AI bot, um, distribute the leads, do whatever it is that you need to do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about is is the kind of the buzzword of the industry right now is who's got that end-to-end solution. And the more you can build into the product, the better off that agent is. And look, I'll be really honest. I know your price point. Um, <laughs> you're, you work in a very affordable range right. uh, as opposed, and there are others that are not so affordable. Uh, they might have other things that they do, but I mean, ultimately it's what, what does that agent need to have happen? So I think, I think that's great. I think that's great that you guys are working on that to keep adding, just keep adding those layers and tools, right. That, uh, especially your experienced users just are probably dying for just to go. Yeah. We can do that yeah. now. Yeah, they, they are. I mean, that is something, these digital ads are something that are, it's a really, hot topic to be able to generate your own leads. And it's done for you, not as a managed service, but it is done for you, meaning that there are things that you can go through and it walks you through everything. Um, For us at Wise Agent, my number, and if anyone's ever heard me on my webinars, my number one thing is don't make me read too much on a website. I don't like reading on a website. I don't like scrolling and I don't like clicking around. So that is for me, those, and so when, and I test everything that pre-release from our dev team and I'm like, you had me click in four times and I could do that in two. So go back and redo that. If I'm not going to do it, you know, if I wouldn't do it myself, I wouldn't anticipate anybody else doing that either. You know, so I think that's the typical person wants to just, I don't want to have to read a set of instructions on how to use somebody's website. If there's instructions on the website, they've done it wrong. Well, Lenny, it's, I, I need to get you back to work. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I know you were on the road this week. So um, I'll, my final question I've asked every guest, and that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? Yeah, I would just say don't get overwhelmed with the concept of, you know, organizing your contacts in your database. Don't get overwhelmed by that. Make sure that you are focusing on the relationships and focusing on how to systematize what it is that you do. Meaning right now in the very new stages, you're probably not listing any properties. You're not probably having any buyers buy anything from you. So this is the time where you can say, okay, what happens when I meet somebody? What do I do? How do I take care of people? And so knowing how to do that and figuring that out is, is key right now at this point. And ultimately, it will go in as a as a an action plan. An action, yeah. Within, within action plan within Wise Agent, yeah. It will get there exactly. Yeah, Eleni, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I'm on all the social networks, um, but then my email is eleni at wiseagent.com. You can send me an email. You can call the office and ask for me. I'm always happy to take phone calls and reach out and and, and connect with me. 
And I can't leave because there are people wondering, well, how much is the cost? We talked about it. Yeah. Let, yeah. Give me that. So, give me that little pitch. Yeah. So Wise Agent is forty dollars a month, and that includes the um, texting services. So, um, which is a really, really important aspect of of what you're doing. But if you did not want to include the texting, it's thirty two dollars a month which is a couple of cups of coffee a month, especially if you're one of those venti drinkers. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, think about what's best for your business. You know, is it having that extra cup of coffee or using a database, a CRM? I would say it's a CRM. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I had to clean up my profile a little bit just this week and uh, I, I sent a request in for some help. And I mean, sometimes staffs are strained. We have all the issues going on with the pandemic and just uh, people deciding to do other things. But no, uh, somebody got to me uh, within like 30 minutes and took care of what I needed to get taken care of. It was awesome. And I know that's been something that you guys are really proud of. So yeah. uh, continued success. Please say hi to Brandon, Mike and the gang for me. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me on. And, and thanks for your continued support and your friendship. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.